This is British Wrestling Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And we're back again. Uh, plenty of shows to talk about today, uh, gents. It's been a, a couple of weeks since our last show. Uh, how have you been? Have you been uh, keeping up with the best of the Super Juniors and all the other uh, crazy wrestling that's been going on over the last couple of weeks? I have to admit, I've not been keeping up to date with the best of the Super Juniors. That was something I'm planning to do later on this week. Is to catch up with everything, basically before Dominion. Uh, yeah, I was, and then kind of fell off a little bit, to be honest. Uh, I'm a few days behind. I think I'm going to have to skip a few days with the single cam stuff. I think the last match I watched was Kushida. No, no, no. What was it? It was Taguchi against Takahashi. That was it. So I'm a few days behind there. Uh, I've kind of I've been dipping in and out of matches. I mean, the reason I ask is the day of recording the uh, the final happened today. Uh, Try to oh, right. Christ, I've got loads to catch up on then. On who won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the same way. I've just been kind of cherry picking matches. Uh, I won't get, get yeah. into spoilers of who won the entire tournament. I do believe the the final was it was something else. Uh, as far as tournament matches goes, uh, like I say, I've been dipping in and out. But I don't know if either you saw that Will Ospreay uh, Flip Gordon match. We're going to talk Not a lot yet. about Will Ospreay uh, today, but. My no. God, I watched that one last night. That was a, that was a, a just a great example of the, the wrestler Will Ospreay is today. Uh, I've been quite impressed with uh, Show for other tournaments. Show Dragon Lee was great. Mm. Show Kashida was awesome as a sort of a grappling match that led mm. to a really kind of nice conclusive finish as well. Um, and really established Show, but I think there was something nice that they established between him and Kashida. There's a dynamic mm. there as well where they could go further. Mm. Show Dragon Lee. Was, was awesome um, near the start which shows you about I've only really seen about stuff from the first three shows hmm. so I've like what, what another nine to go it's good to see Marty Scale working hard again as well Marty Takahashi and Marty Kushida I both absolutely loved it was like shit I'm enjoying Marty matches again this is really nice that's good to know because I was kind of thinking with it being a tournament and a couple of the matches I'd seen it did seem quite shtick heavy with him but yeah it's good good that he at least kind of he's pulling it out when it when it matters uh, you can't blame him though the character's so over and he's so over with oh those no cards. no like, it makes I'm sense doesn't you. it I'm with you. I just thought Marty Takahashi was going to be like shtick central so mm. I went into it sort of like oh, I'll give it a go I do like both guys and it was awesome. <laughs> I think for the longest time it was my favourite match. It might still be my favourite match of the tournament. So, yeah, I think I'm I, sure it won't be by the end. I had that one up there. I mean, that Osprey Flip Gold match I mentioned before, that up there as well, just for being the, the kind of ridiculous, high-flying, uh, stupid stuff you'd expect the match to be. Uh, if you if the sound of that match is the type of thing you think you'd hate, you'd hate it. And if, the sound, if it sounds like the type of thing you'd love, I think you would love it. It's everything you'd expect it to be. Uh, but yeah, that's probably up there for me. As well as um, was that, uh, Desperado and uh, Hiromu match. I don't know if either of you saw that one. The, re- the really yeah, violent yeah, yeah. one with that crazy... Oh, that was great. That running dropkick Hiromu does in the stand. Just absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Des- Desperado's been really good in the tournament. He's someone who... Uh, I can't remember. Has he been announced for the New Japan shows over here yet? I'm not sure. I don't think he has, actually. Oh, I think maybe he has, and he's kind of passed by. There are people who have been announced for it that have kind of passed by, and I'll see it like a week later mm. that this person's on the show. It's like, oh, okay, that's a nice addition. So, yeah. I'm not sure. He yeah. was over here in November. I remember that. He plays Ryan Smile and that's Riddle. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember that one being too much to write home about. I've never really been too excited on him. It's just I've got a bit of a buzz from. Uh, mainly, I think it's his pairing with Zack Saber Jr. when he was sending yeah. him for a bit before Taka took over. And then, yeah, this this run in the tournaments kind of made me excited. That's the thing, though, isn't it? It's hard to keep up with the the announcements as, as they come flying out. It's been a uh, different as Nick's. It, it feels like it's a it's very much a Rev Pro show and not. It's not really New Japan putting the announcements out either, is it? It's RevPro doing all the, the images, and it, it just feels very much like a RevPro presents yeah, New Japan show. Yeah, without doubt. As and opposed to what they do that, in the US. And they've not sold out either, have they? And it doesn't feel like there's any kind of stakes to either show either, so it does feel very much like it's a RevPro-heavy show mm-hmm. with New Japan branding, if anything. Um, hopefully New Japan get a bit more involved, Nick. It's, well, it's this month, isn't it, as well? I always think the tricky thing is we're kind of waiting for Dominion to happen. Mm. And that kind of sets where they are as a promotion. Because I'm right in thinking we've got Dominion. And then at the, obviously at the end of the month, we've got the tour of the UK. Mm. Then it's the Cow Palace show. Then it's the G1, which is all relatively short audio. So, So I'd hope that after Dominion, they kind of, you know, the kind of feuds that will be following during it will be set in stone. And then if there's new champions, that might well raise the interest. But I agree with you, Benno. It does feel more like a, a Rev Pro show. Yeah, I'm bringing both my kids to the Milton Keynes show. So that should be interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, they love their strong style. So that, that'll be that'll be good fun to sit through. Uh, good stuff. Well, we're, we're talking plenty of uh, Rev Pro later on today. It's going to be a heavy show on on what we've been watching uh, in the last two mm-hmm. weeks. But yeah, just a bit of a flavour of the things going on in worldwide wrestling. Uh, I'd like to hit you with a couple of those news notes. I was going to, I don't know whether I should bring it up, but that uh, another big thing in the news, CM Punk and Colt Cabana, their trial. Uh, I've got nowhere else to talk about it, so I just wanted to mention it here quickly. Mm-hmm. Have you been following along with any of that stuff? The uh, it's it's been uh, quite a laugh following it along on, on WrestleZone as the uh, the one lone wrestling journalist in, in the audience uh, is there typing up and get one getting laughed at by Punk and Cabana when he gets announced as the reporter from WrestleZone and two just some of his description of the ridiculous court case the judge asking who Kane is and being told that he's the topless man in the pants and being explained what a real rumble is it's been it's it's just it's just been a really it's been a clown show really it sounds like from it from following along yeah i've been following myself and kind of fascinated by the note to see at the end of each day um if anything mm. um yeah it just sounds like an absolute comedy of a court case so yeah. the cameras aren't in for this one obviously you can is it federal cases you can record at um, i think so and i don't think the state ones you can yeah is yeah that what it um, is? Because I know the guy who's taking the notes, I think he's doing them handwritten as well. He can't even take his, his laptop on there. It, it's unlike, uh, I was, I was kind of thinking this is the type of thing that'd be great on the WWE network. If this was, uh, UFC <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> drug failures and things like that, they love putting that stuff on their streaming service, don't they? It'll do, uh, better than the new series of Total Bellas if they did put it up. I'm sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing it reminds me of this court case is the mass transit case from, I think it was 97, was it 96, 97 in ECW? Where, I mean, that was an entire shit show where mm. the, the, uh, they had, they thought some of the guys who, who ran PW Insider, they were asking them on stand, are you the owners of ECW? It's <laughs> like, no, we're not. And it was this, it's the problem of when you get the wrestling world meeting the legal world and all of a sudden it, they, it's like there's no delineation between no. what is working 
and what is real. And so well, you it's end like up, when you put Mark Zuckerberg yeah. on the Senate uh, committee uh, full of like men in their seventies who live in a political world and in a bubble and don't ever use Facebook or social media. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can't think of you might be talking about there. It's, it's like, yeah, it's it's just it's it's a comedy and it's kind of just. I mean, the reason I bring it up as well as as well as all those points, it's it's relevant to the world of podcasting as well, isn't it? The the Colt Cabana has found himself in court because of something one of his podcast guests said, um, and he's being taken to court for it. Maybe we should uh, be worried with some of the the hot takes we've had over the last couple of shows. Uh, Joe, you might have the uh, Pro Wrestling Eve guys uh, after you soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, you might have a few people after you as well Beto, so. that's it yeah that's the less said about those particular gangs the uh the better uh <laughs> anything else uh taking the headlines of world ride wrestling that's uh that's that's uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about the uh, the enzo amore rap that came out this week uh oh, any, no. anything else you've been uh, keeping up to outside of british wrestling uh, it's hard to keep up with British wrestling, to be honest with you. It's been hard to keep up with the best of Super Juniors. So I say on every podcast, I like other stuff as well as wrestling. <laughs> so doing this and keeping up is hard enough. So um, not that I can think of. I can't say I paid any attention to what's going on in WWE. All I hear is that bad Daniel Bryan stuff that I see on Twitter, and that oh. depresses me. But it is kind of weird that at this point I really don't care. Mm. which kind of says it all, considering about four years ago, I'd go mm. to bed most evenings thinking, is he going to get the belt at WrestleMania? <laughs> so kind of says a lot there about how I might have uh, changed as a person in the last four years. <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I'm still, it's still kind of all about, from a British wrestling perspective, interested on what happens with ITV and how the ITV show um works and comes to fruition and what the results of that is mm. some interesting takes in it i've seen where um people are kind of convinced that wwe are the good guys to which i'd say look at a history book show me where they've ever been the good guys um probably because of who they're in bed with and the yeah yeah aspect that we know that uh, yeah drives so i mean i think a lot of it's waiting to see what what ITV does, and I'm 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 in a weird position where I'm probably supporting ITV, which I have to say is probably the first time that's ever happened in my lifetime. <laughs> where I support I, ITV for anything. That's a bill. Uh, for me for you yeah. <laughs> I don't even support them come World, World Cup time I always hope if BBC and ITV simulcast the games I'm always watching on BBC oh, I just yeah. can't stand oh, ITV me and, you, me and you both but ITV does have Roy Keane so <laughs> there is yeah. Roy Keane can uh, get Roy me Roy Keane Dicko combination Roy Keane and Lee Dixon are my favourite combination of pundits so that can get me switched <laughs> over to ITV it's the only way it works uh, it, de- it depends whether you, you hold Alex Shane up to that particular standard when you, he's going to be doing the ITV commentary isn't he I don't absolutely not indeed right we'll better move on let's get into uh, what we've been watching uh, over the last couple of weeks Uh, first up uh, a new one a promotion we've not talked about on this show both you guys got to get out there and get to Riptide to the Riptide Mm -hmm. Rumble um, in Brighton Uh, how was it I've seen Footage of, of Riptide, I've seen, I think, just the one show on there on demand, but you see the gifts flying around all the time on Twitter with that incredible-looking building um, and just great first-class, uh, almost action movie camera work. Uh, do, have you, before uh, you went, did you see much Riptide, or was this your, your first uh, take of Riptide, and, and what did you make of it as a, as a live experience? 
all I'd seen were the gifs on uh, Twitter, and I'd seen the free stuff that they put up on their YouTube channel. So that's all I'd ever really seen. I'd heard a lot about the promotion, and I got to say, I was massively impressed being there for the live product. It was an awesome show, really good fun top to bottom. Um, I'd previously been really impressed by the production values of the matches that I'd seen on YouTube and some of the gifts I'd seen. And that was the kind of thing that kind of stood out and differentiated them from the rest of the pack, if anything, for me. But as a show, this was so much fun. Like the selection of talent, the variety of the talent, um, the diff, the layout of the card, the way the card flowed so nicely. This was just a great show. It's one of the some of the most fun I've had at a show in a long time. I've got to say, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, same here. I completely second all of that. Um, and listeners will get a chance to listen to the interview um, that we did with uh, Josh Bevan, mm. who's the the producer for for Riptide, and uh, and some of the things. I mean, and I'd seen it previously on uh, that day. Actually, <laughs> I was watching the Spring Break show, the one previously that was on High Spots. That's the um, show I saw as well, yeah. It, it, and if you go to the venue, you do go in thinking, how the hell do they make this look so wonderfully cinematic? <laughs> Which, when you listen to the interview, one of the things he says is actually it, it costs money to make a show look like that. But by God, that money's up on the screen, um, making no bones about that whatsoever. Um, it's a, it's, it's kind of, it, it's, it was a wonderful show, and I. I think recently I've become somewhat jaded about some of the shows that I've seen and it got me really pumped up. I'm thinking, oh yeah, I want to go down there. I want to see this show. It kind of, Brighton's a lovely, I think Brighton's a lovely city. So it's a kind of a good place to go to anyway. And if you've got a competing show that night, like you had with Fight Club Pro going on in Wolverhampton and you're giving us the choice of, do you want to go to Wolverhampton? Do you want to go to Brighton? You're likely to say Brighton. Yeah, I just feel like, um, I don't know. Fight Club Pro, my interest kind of fell off a cliff overnight. If anything, like I can't remember a, a, a promotion that I was so invested in that mm. my like interest in just went like <laughs> like I say overnight, and it just really hasn't come back. And I often feel like Fight Club Pro book on the fly mm. and book when the lads get there that night and kind of book people for the after party because I'll be a right old laugh over a couple of beers afterwards and. Uh, this card was not like that at all. This reminded me of going to the fiction when Fight Club Pro seemed a little bit mm. more focused. Um, and the venue was really nicely laid out, but yep. also there were multiple stories up and down the card as well mm -hmm. that they were telling. Like there were multiple narratives of the rumble that were going on. There was kind of a blow off between Jimmy Avoc and Ginny that they built to and got quite a lot of hype on social media from that table spot of the last show. There was the faction money versus everyone with Spike Trevay, Chris Ridgway and Damon Moser that furthered various stories throughout the night as well. This was just a really, really, really good fun show mm -hmm. that I'd recommend to anyone. Um, if you want engaging stories and you don't want one or two, you want multiple engaging stories that are going to go somewhere, it mm -hmm. feels, I would watch Riptide, honestly, because there's something there. Yeah. Definitely. That's what I was going to ask about because it, it feels mm -hmm. like they're using, as well as you know, telling their their own stories. They've got a somewhat unique looking roster. I was kind of I was following yeah. along on on Twitter, Joe. You were doing the uh, the tweeting for in, the Indie Corner account. I'm sure you regretted that when they put a rumble in the ring. Oh my god, it was so. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the guys at the ring are having a harder time than I am wrestling, but standing there 
having to tweet a, like an entrance for a rumble was more difficult than it may seem. I think I missed one of the entrants as well. I can't remember who it was, but I definitely missed one of them. But yeah, because you, you got to see people who was wrong. <laughs> yeah, one out of thirty. Come on, give us a break. <laughs> well, yeah, that was... Why did he get the short straw though. That's that's harsh, yeah. Joe. <laughs> I was kind of following along and I was looking at all the names coming out. I was like, it's quite a a unique roster for a rumble, and it, it feels like yeah. they've kind of they're getting they're not getting behind the. I mean, there, there are guys on the card, you know, Zach Gibson's there, people, you know, Jimmy Havoc's there, people you see yeah. everywhere else. But it feels like they are getting behind the lights of a uh, of Spike Spike Trevay. He's someone who uh, I've kind of heard people talk about Riptide before as someone. Who they're, yeah. they're really setting up to to be a you know a big mainstay of the company. Uh, how did he come across there? And yeah, is it does it? I mean, does it feel like any other indie, or has it got very much its own personality because of that? I think it's got its own personality. Um, in fact, and this is I know we love a football analogy on this show. Um, for me, there's a lot about this company that kind of resembles Brighton as a football club. Mm. Um, there's an embracing of young talent from various places that perhaps have not reached the level in other companies they've been allowed to reach here, mixed in with some imports that may not seem like the biggest stars. And in some cases, they've had, you know, they've got Walter coming back for the next show, but they've got imports like David Starr, for example. Is he an import at this point? Well, yeah. 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 Does he live over it? Mm, Not officially. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's shut up on that one then. Um, but you've got people who come in experienced. You've got experienced people who come in like the Zach, like Zach Gibson um, and James Drake. And you've got, um, yeah, the, the likes of a David Starr who come in, who are there to kind of make the overall product better. Mm. And it really flowed. And I think at times when you look at it, there's like a combination of sort of three promotions going on. Because I think even my initial temptation was this, it feels like, you know, a lot of the knuckle locks projo um, performers. But in fact, there's a healthy sprinkling of Rev Pro talent and it's a Rev Pro ring who obviously are only down the road on the south coast. Um, plus, you've got the ring crew is the is from the Hustle training school, which is IPW's training school as well. So they've got these links between these different companies and it's very clear that they all get on because you get there's looks like there's a very like uh, for a lot of the crew, it's like they're working with lots of their best friends mm. and they're really enjoying the fact that they get to hang around with them. So there's this wonderful kind of cross pollination across different um, different companies and, and how that plays out. Um, so when you mentioned about Spike Trevay, I mean, it's it's. For me, the kind of the big feud in this one is the is this is the Spike Trevay Jack Sexsmith. That feels what it's. That's the kind of the feud that's going to go on for quite a while. And Spike Trevay, for me, he has it. Um, from the moment he gets announced as starting from the top, and now he's here. Um, that's. I mean, he, he kind of has you, and obviously he gets all the anti-Tory chants and the rest of it. Although it's notable to say he never announced himself as a Tory. And there is lots of interesting ways that character can go in the future. But the match was good against Mike Burt. That was the guy, you know, if you get into the fundamentals of it, there was no match on the show that you thought, hmm, that wasn't great. There was one where there was an issue with the second rope breaking. And that yeah, that did. was quite tough on the guys in the match, especially with it being Mills yeah. and Mayhew and knowing what their offence is like yeah. as well. So and Mills and Mayhew against Ridgeway and Moser, was it? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So it did cause a little bit of an annoyance, but they they coped with the problem and kind of wrestled around it reasonably well. Uh, yeah. From what uh, I recall from the match, um, and they fixed it pretty quickly, didn't they? Oh no, they they tried to fix it and it did. They couldn't get it done oh. while the match was going on, and then they waited until the end of the match and did it after yeah. the match. They wrestled the entire match about the second rope because it was about two minutes into the match when it occurred. Mm. Uh, one of the things I really liked though was JP kind of said it with the different schools they get the talent from. It's a lot of young guys who've only been around a couple of years. Really, obviously, you got guys like Gibson on the card who have obviously been wrestled a little bit mm. longer more experienced hands, Mike Bird as well. But then with the likes of Trevay and a lot of the Projo guys and the um, Rev Pro School guys as well, uh, Ports of School of Wrestling, you've got lots of much younger guys on there who haven't been wrestling that lot, but who don't often meet in other promotions. So you've got some of the guys that I see all the time with the cockpit, um, like, say, a Rob Lias on this show or a Gideon mm. Gray, and I've never seen them in the same ring as, say, um, uh, Roy Johnson, for example, yeah. or Trevay is another example. So it was quite good seeing some guys that you wouldn't usually see together actually mix for the first time. Mm. And another point on that as well, they do the agenda thing like absolutely seamlessly. Mm. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. Like it just was going on, and it wasn't like oh, there's Sierra Luxton uh, doing like package pile drivers to or package power bobs to like this guy and then that guy and German yeah. suplexes to that guy it was like oh, this is cool. Like this is really yeah. working. That's kind of yeah. what jumps out to to me is you know an outsider who's not seeing the show that Genie and and Jimmy Havoc match. I was going to ask about that being an an intergender. Yeah. Was it a death match or the uh, yeah. no disqualification well, match? Issue, yeah, right, yeah. right. I mean, how? So I mean, that that is a hard line to walk, isn't it, with the the intergender stuff? Um, I mean, how did how did Genie do in that thing? Was uh, oh, super a... Genie, super <laughs> super Genie, mate. Some of the stuff she was. Um... Kick it out of at one point. Uh, power bomb onto onto thumbtacks through two chairs. Oof. Death Valley driver through a table, and a rainmaker from Havoc. Jitty kicks out. Wow. Super, <laughs> she's super. She's super Jitty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then she picked up the woman with a face palm type manoeuvre off the top turn button. Into the into the into thumb, a rainmaker. Oh, it was into the thumbtacks. They oh, did was the it face the palm into those and then the yeah. So, yeah, Ginny's got it going on. <laughs> Did it work it, as a match? I mean... I, I have it, to... It's not a match that was for me. I'll be honest, yeah. I found it quite jarring because, like, Jimmy had a death match and he came out, and I think, back to progress and how good his character work was in progress. And he came out in a pair of Vans high tops um, and jeans. I saw you talk about that, yeah. Yeah. He had his kick pads on at the same time. <laughs> kick pads, Vans, high tops, and jeans. It was a really odd combo, and I couldn't. It kept distracting me. And then he was like, "Yeah, I'll have a beer. Give us your beer." I said to JP when he came out, "How long is it going to take for him to get some of the crowd's beer?" Thirty seconds exactly. <laughs> like, and it was like he was ticking off a lot of stuff that I don't love about the current incarnation of Jimmy Havoc. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Fight and- Club Pro. That's a very Fight Club Pro Jimmy Havoc trait, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And it didn't do a lot for me. People were into it. People were really into it. Yeah. So it, it worked for the crowd. It worked for people in attendance. Mm. 
but it wasn't something for me. Ginny, on the other hand, came out in just her normal attire. Mm-hmm. So it sort of looked like Habit was trying to wear this kind of like street fight attire. Mm-hmm. But whereas, say, I don't know, I think in like the early 90s and those WCW street fights where Dustin Rhodes would wear like his jeans and his white vest so you could see the blood on the vest. And the cowboy, cowboy boots. Yeah. yeah. And it was this great aesthetic that really added to the street fight. And mm-hmm. it felt like Habit was trying to go for that here. But Van's high tops, like they're probably something that like maybe 20, 25 percent of the crowd possibly own mm-hmm. so it just it didn't feel i don't know like it was something you'd have a fight in it felt like something you'd i don't know go to college in if anything so <laughs> yeah uh, maybe i'm riffing a bit too much of what he was wearing but yeah <laughs> it, it matters it does it does it's part of the presentation isn't it um as far as the i suppose the, the rumble main event was, was the big match uh, mm. anything jump out from there uh, memorable spots, uh, that kind of thing. It's uh, it's always cool to get to, to see a rumble, isn't it? Gonna be. Yeah. I'm glad we're not in the dark days of Brit Res, where you'd probably have guys coming out five different times to uh, to make up the numbers for a rumble. It's kind of cool that you can uh, put an easy thirty together, or at least Riptide can. Do you know what? I mean, I, I, this is the closest I've been to watching an actual Royal Rumble live. <laughs> I've seen Battle Royals, never yeah. an actual Royal, rumble. but a Royal, and it stuck to completely Rumble rules, which was great. And you could clearly tell that everyone was getting a buzz from working it because it was like, oh, great, we get to be in a Royal Rumble. So you had the kind of klaxon um, that went off when people came out. They seemed like they were closer to two minutes as well. I wasn't, first, I wasn't timing. I wasn't timing either. But it There's did, always a bit, of, a bit of license, isn't there, in yeah, Rumble entrance? Yeah, get that feeling. I mean, of the notable parts, there was a... Uh, what was it? Was it the Royal Rumble 2000? Oh, there was a Royal Rumble 2000 spot where Big T was Rikishi and Kip Kip Sabian and Amir Jordan were too cool and they danced to Too Cool's music in the middle of the ring, a la Royal Rumble 2000. Then Big T, clothesline and both, threw him over the top rope. That I enjoyed as kind of a bit of nostalgia. Didn't overstay yep. its welcome, though. Uh, something for sort of the older fan who was there. Show wasn't on Channel 4, that one, got to say. But that was a that was a yep. cool moment. Big T was but really well throughout it, yep. I thought. Uh, looked really strong. He's improved since the last storm as well. His, I think, I think his selling, his sort of big man selling has got a lot mm. better. Um, I know he's not in PCW anymore because I was loving that tag team of him and Tell Bannon. Um, so I'm hoping that Riptide's kind of a place where he gets uh, a bit of consistent work yep. and keep on improving. But one of the people I was really impressed by was Curtis Chapman, who I'm used to seeing in Rev Pro. Mm. I've seen him for years as a young boy. And here... He was really doing something different from his usual um, Curtis Chapman, young contender, got his title, white meat babyface underdog, which people have started to rebel against in Rev Pro. And I'd heard about his gimmick in Riptide before, and it's great. The keyboard warrior Curtis Chapman comes out of his keyboard, hits one of the ring crew of his keyboard. That ring crew member breaks his keyboard. The ring crew member sells his arm a little bit from the Mm -hmm. keyboard shot. And then Curtis Chapman just cuts a promo on all the crowd and the keyboard warriors. And he comes across as a smarmy, geeky prick. That was great. I loved that character straight away. Mm. (laughs) And I thought his promo was a great way to get the match underway, if anything. Yeah, he's got to use that gimmick in Rev Pro. Absolutely. If we carry on going down this road with him, then that's that's ready made, isn't it? It is absolutely. Um, of the other, I have to say, shout out for TK Cooper, who was kind of the Iron Man 
Yeah, of he it. was great. He was he great was, throughout it, and he got got a lot of heat as well at yeah. times with his like kind of uh, chicken shit eliminations, which I thought was great. Well, especially after how in the last show we had said about like what's happened about him being him being booked the way he had been in progress. Here you had him where he was. He, he came across as a star. It kind of reminded you of how he was in the Thunder Bastard match, hmm. where he was kind of getting those kind of not cheap pins, but you know he was getting kind of eliminations unexpectedly he was yeah. putting heat on himself uh, yeah but to get heat on and then he would react to it in this really over the top way and and that worked um there was a great moment where one of the bouncers yeah in the venue entered and he was a bouncer because he had the sia license badge on everything yeah, yeah. i saw your tweet about that there's a wrestler up north called big joe there's two big joes there's one who's a little big joe and the one who's a big big joe does do an sia gimmick and i was wondering whether it was him but it was legitimately a security member Maybe it was, and I'm just not. You know, I, I have He's heard. All that, that, I'm pretty it? sure I've read about that on uh, Andy Ogden's Graps and oh. Claps uh, post before. That's sure, the, yeah. uh, smaller ironic Big Joe that does uh, GPW is going. The, 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 it's weird. We've got two Big Joes in the region, and like I, I'd love. I mean, that's a dream match of me, the tall one against the small <laughs> one. But the one, it sounds like you're talking about is the tall guy. So it could be him, or it could just be have been yeah, just a random member of security. I think it's more than likely this Big Joe fella. If someone could confirm, that would be great. <laughs> that would be, yeah. But yeah, sorry, Big Joe, if I have got that completely wrong. But that moment made me laugh quite a lot, i got to say. Yeah. So that, there's a good mix of comedy um, and a good mix of serious stuff. There's a good variety in there. Yeah. Um, like I say serious, like when Wild Boar came in, it changed the, the, the atmosphere of the match completely. He mm-hmm. started killing people with these great package pile drivers. Um, and it made it more serious for a moment but then something would lighten the comedy like a Gideon Grey would come out and the mood would change slightly so there were constant changes in kind of um, tone if anything for the match and they really worked Um, it was a lot of fun to see live I've got to say and I have to say the the final two it came down to was (laughs) Zach Gibson and Chuck Mando I was going to get into that JP (laughs) (laughs) how was Um, that how was that? For you. Um, just you. Just me. I won't lie. I think it was only me and Joe. Uh, we were very Gibson. Cheering. <laughs> Come on, Gibson. Mambo won, oh, and no. I immediately walked away when that <laughs> happened. I wasn't listening to a post-match. But at the same time, like the crowd absolutely loved it. Yeah. And I was so caught up in the action that... I kind of it gathered it engaged an emotional emotional response from me, and quite often I can be quite sometimes quite detached watching wrestling. But here I was completely into it, and I loved the fact I was into it. And it didn't give me the result I wanted, but you know what? That's fine. I'm all right with that. And you know he's he's carrying on his his one man crusade to try and impress me <laughs> by uh, <laughs> by by having a, a, a you know a re- again a really good showing. He works well in that crowd and that audience i mean and it was it was really well put together i mean it was a really like i can't think there were very few people who kind of didn't make as much of an impression i thought somebody who made a, a good impression on me and i've, I've seen a sort of sparingly with sierra loxton hmm. i yeah, thought she was I, great i thought she she looked really good um, Ashley Dunn, I thought, took some yes. crazy bumps at points of the match as well. He was very he was much very doing good. Ric Flair in 92, wasn't he? He'd come in and he'd wrestle the first person who was there, take a take a bump. Obviously, Flair wasn't taking uh, the I kind think of they're very different types of bumps to what Ric Flair was uh, taking That's at that true. point in time. Like Maybe he took a few bumps after the show. I don't want to speculate on that. Probably didn't. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it was sort of more like the kind of bumps Will Ospreay would have taken yeah. two or three years ago, where he might take against a big bad, if anything. Yeah. Like he was all over the place and up, up and down. Um, I thought Flash Morgan Webster was really good in this as well. And he uh, set up a Tim and Charlie Morgan versus yeah. Morgan feud. And he was playing an all-out heel. And obviously, in progress, we've got conflicted Flash Morgan Webster, yeah. which is a bit dull, if Will you ask. Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah. Whereas here, he's an actual heel, mm. and he's really good at it. And it was the first time I'd ever seen seen him being a proper heel before yeah. and he was he felt really natural um he got some really good heat on himself at various points mm. his facial expressions were great there was this cocky element to him as well which worked really well and they managed to really establish this feud with charlie morgan which again is another seamless in agenda feud that they just put together um i think did he eliminate charlie morgan oh he charlie morgan came out for the rumble he came out, beat Charlie Morgan up, took her place in the match, and then Charlie Morgan came out later and did a cr- beat him up and did a crazy dive, but she overshot a bit, didn't she? Well, I, I was a little worried she, about that. Yeah, but then she she'd got him in yet, and she she'd eliminated him, which sort of nicely set up um, a feud between them as well. So advanced storylines yeah. this Rumble as well, which is what I always want from a. Royal Rumble, I suppose, and yeah. some of the most memorable Royal Rumble moments. Uh, you know, when actual feuds get set up, resulting from the Rumble match. I think like Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle yeah. in 2005, going into Mania, for example. It was like a Pat Patterson booked Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, not one of the crap Road Dog booked Royal no. Rumbles or Jamie Noble booked Royal Rumbles, which have been dog shit. Um, second best Rumble match I've seen this year. Not as good as. Not quite as good as the WWE Rumble this year, but I thought that was one of the best Rumbles ever. But better than the WWE Women's Rumble and better than the greatest Royal Rumble, that's for sure. Oh, there you go. It's in good company then in that case. I mean, it's a definitely a, it's a difficult match to put put together. The room, as known by the uh, the CM Punk and Colt Cabana uh, law troubles we were talking about before, they went through went through what it's like to put a Rumble match together. So yeah, it's uh, that was one of the worst Rumbles I I can ever remember. Yeah. That Rumble. Utter shit. That's when the slide started, isn't it? I don't think a match has ever made me so angry in my life. (laughs) I remember how angry I was after that. Like I was seething, and I was like, I was sort of questioning my life at that point. Why (laughs) can a wrestling match make me so angry? This is just stupid. Like sort yourself the fuck out. Sorry. Uh, luckily, we've got Riptide and uh, other Brit promotions to give us the uh, the babyface rumble. It's a real shame that, or maybe this year aside, that yeah, you can't get the legitimate product from the biggest company in the world. So yeah, maybe you have to go to these places. But it does sound like a, a really good show. I mean, I'd I'd love to get yeah. down there. It's a bit bit of a distance for me, but it definitely sounds like it'd be worth it. Uh, uh, if you fancy a weekend, Benno, August first weekend of August, I think it yeah. is. They've got a championship tournament, so always yeah. always mention it, and you know we could maybe put something together. Uh, if, if I could mention a couple of just a, a couple of matches, um, one of the first ones, Candy Floss and Shakara at the beginning. Um, it's slightly depressing when you're watching two young women work. At, it, it was a good match, and you can see how Candy Floss has improved by her time in Japan. Yeah. But them both combined being younger than me is like <laughs> right. That's like the harsh reality slapping you in the face. And also the story, I don't think we've touched on this, the story between David Starr and Jack Sexsmith, mm. where Sexsmith's wanting to wrestle a serious match because he's not on a good run and he wants to kind of, he needs to up his game. And David Starr is his friend, wanting to kind of do slightly sillier spots and him going, I'm not doing that. I want I want a match. I want you to test me. And there was, there was a really 
good story that was told the whole way throughout that. And Sex with found that serious edge yeah. in that promo at the beginning, whereas this progress promos, I think, have been yeah. like, hi, everyone yeah. loves me. And it's like, now nah, come on, find that serious edge, like get us in the building, get everyone invested in this. And that's kind of what he was doing here. Yeah. It, I thought it worked a lot more. And he was really popular with the crowd as well, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, was I mean, there, there was something that would definitely fit, wouldn't it? That progress is, is where they've been missing that. Jack, if they'd have done that exact same story, they were teaming him with David Starr this entire yeah. time. I mean, we're going to get into the Manchester show later, but that would be the ideal story to tell, wouldn't it? Leading into Sheffield, give him a little thing with David Starr and maybe bring a bit more serious side out to him. Oh, well, good on, good on Riptide, at least for getting there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of reaction. There was someone I was looking, there was someone, it sounds like I was stalking them, but there was someone in the front row and they were almost immediately in tears mm. from like watching Jack Sexsmith because they were so into Jack Sexsmith. That kind of reaction that we've seen on occasion that Jack Sexsmith gets where people are so heavily invested that, that she was crying before the match. I, I thought, bloody hell. This this is quite incredible that that's the kind of reaction that he can get. And it shows you the potential of the reaction if he can get, if he's booked correctly, of course. I was going to say one last thing. I really like the stable they've got with um, Trive, Chris Ridgway and Moser. Like, they seem to be uh, sort of really over his heels there. I think mm. that's something they've done over a series of um, shows now as well. Um, they're sort of backup guys for Treve as the leader. And Treve's great as the leader. Yeah. Only, only bit of criticism I'm going to give it. You've got Treve, and you look at Treve, then you look at Ridgeway, and you look at Moser. Why are Ridgeway and Moser backing up this I know he hasn't said he's a Tory, but like the look, I don't think suits like the person they're doing the bidding of. Now, I just wish a little bit more. This may be just be me again, riffing on looks like I was talking about with Jimmy Abbott. Um, but I just wish a little bit more went into the presentation of those guys, maybe in Riptide. Yeah. And they weren't doing their kind of cool guy, like image conscious sort of, um, but they didn't have that look when they were in the ring, and they maybe differentiate the look to what it's like when they're in other promotions. Like, you look at how cool Damon Moses' hair is and his tattoos and Chris Ridgway's tattoos or the rest of it, and you think, these guys ain't voting Tory. No fucking way are they voting Tory. Not for a second. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm completely <laughs> wrong. But I just didn't believe that they... Like, as good as they were as a fact, I didn't believe that they would be doing the bidding of this guy. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so I just wondered whether that was something where a bit more in terms of the presentation could have been thought about, maybe. But that's a minor criticism. Yeah, I suppose you could put them in Mean Street posse jumpers and, uh, and oh, make a yes. Maybe that'd be the idea. Uh, Rodney and Pete Gass. <laughs> I'm friends with Pete Gass on Facebook, actually. Wow. <laughs> and Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Tony Norris. See, I'm mates with Daniel Amakachi, but I think uh, Ahmed Johnson oh, definitely wins. Mate of mine's friends are Rule Fox on Facebook, <laughs> but now owns a restaurant in Norwich. Oh, impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on then uh, yeah but it does sound like a, a really good show and a definitely a hearty recommend there from both of you for for the company and yeah definitely something 
I'll be looking into making that trip. Could make a, a really nice little British uh, summer holiday, maybe uh, late this summer. I'll have a definitely have a look into that. Uh, moving on then, let's uh, talk our next promotion. Uh, Joe, you've uh, been busy these last couple of weeks because you got to RevPro as well. You got to their Mayhem show. Uh, this was in Portsmouth, wasn't it? This is kind of it's yeah. called Mayhem because we're in May. Uh, I hate that name so much. Um, oh, is that what it was called? That's ridiculous. <laughs> May in capital letters, hen. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, it's kind of. I think they've done that before with the uh, with, with shows, but yeah, that's a that's not the best naming convention to go with. I don't know what's uh, what's coming up in June or July, but yeah, it, it sounded. I mean, I. I was kind of uh, talked to you first about the show and then watched it on VOD. Going in, I kind of thought this feels like the Cody Rhodes show, and in a lot of ways it was. Uh, but a fun up and down car from RevPro and some some things in there that uh, people should probably uh, go out the way to check out. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think these shows are what they've done quite well is they've looked to bring a mix of casual fans in, very local fans, and a few more of the kind of hardcore fans, I suppose, like myself. Um, I haven't been to a Pompey show in a couple of years, and it's mostly due to travel, but... I was back at home for half term and I thought to myself, right, Zach versus Jordan Devlin, Bowden McGee, three, I'm not missing those matches. Um, last time I went to a Rev Pro Pompey show in May, the attendance was way down for what they usually get for the half term show. So I don't, in case people don't know, they do shows during the February, October over in May school half terms every year and there's often one in the summer as well right. and they usually get like a WWE or TNA star someone with a bit of star power to get casual local people who watched kind of the mainstream promotions I say promotions probably promotion now um, into the building when I went to the last show I went to there two years ago the big star on that card was Bram and the main event was Bram versus James Castle in a low DQ match. They also had a great match between Pete Dunne and Speedball Mike Bailey and Marty and Matt Cross on that card. But Bram versus James Castle was there for the casual fans. Now, they, they have lost... <laughs> Big star been, Bram, yeah, definitely. Uh, household name Bram. I've been there before and they had um, money, Justin Gabriel who had an insane line of people don't know why um, and another time they had John Morrison who had a ridiculous queue of people as well I know that Del Rio and Brodus Clay and others have done really uh, sort of well out of these shows Cody Rhodes had uh, Bram's line when I was last there I counted his line he had a line of 12 people Cody Rhodes probably had I don't know 12 times like uh, However many belts his dad probably won over the course of his career, I imagine, or how many shows his dad booked over the course of his career is a better comparison. He had hundreds of people in this line for him. Like, it's ridiculous. So Cody Rhodes really helped to draw a house there, and it looked like it was looked like it was a sellout there to me. Um, it was a good crowd as well. I don't know how well the crowd came across with the VOD. I heard from a few people it sounded quite quiet. Yeah, it did. That's kind in, of a, a problem. I mean, the VOD of RevPro is pretty awful at the best of times. Uh, I appreciate to get the shows out quick, although this one wasn't the quickest. But yeah, yeah. The, the sound is never good, to be honest, and, and neither is the video. Uh, so yeah, you couldn't really make that out. Massive shame because in the building, it was hot and people were into stuff. Um, I think every match got a great response. Bowden McGee, like being a trainee versus Bowden, got a massive response. Like Dan McGee got really over in the building. I think with the ports with venue, 
like most guild halls, like Southampton Guild Hall is terrible as well. <laughs> the ceiling's really high and the sound is going up and it's not really coming down. So it's not the best venue to actually, I don't think it's the best venue for watching wrestling on tape. Fine for watching wrestling live, but yeah, you never get the best tape show from a guild hall, I find. Um, what did you make of the uh, Zach Devlin match, Bodum? Uh, Bodum? Benno. <laughs> you do look a bit like it. I'll take that. I probably need to get to the gym a little bit more. This uh, intermittent fasting isn't there. Uh, I'm not looking like Josh Bodum yet, but I'm trying. Um, yeah, I kind of. To be honest, I, I mean, that, that, that was a point I wanted to raise with you because I did see you say uh, that you thought that this was maybe the better of the two matches we've seen recently with Devlin and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, as compared to the, the OTT match. I kind of thought this was more a match of equals. It was more of a, a shootout. I think Zack Sabre was definitely more overly heelish in this one. Mm. Um, but I did still think I kind of thought he was quite aggressive in OTT as well, even if it wasn't maybe quite as uh, sustained as here. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a good match, but it, it kind of felt consequenceless. Whereas the the OTT match, what was so great about it was that the geared it around the injured thumb of Devlin, which has somehow disappeared uh, in the time between that match and this one. Um, and they kind of it it really felt like. The people there were really worried that Devlin was going to lose his belt to Zack Sabre Jr. So you kind of had that more obvious through line of a story through yeah, the match. Yeah. I still enjoyed this as a pure sports kind of contest, but yeah, I don't think I'd put it up there with the OTT match. Yeah, fair enough. I think for me, the Dublin match had the atmosphere, absolutely. Um, and it obviously had more of a story. I think I'm just a massive, I've got a massive hard on for aggressive Zack Sabre Jr. And leave that in, please. I don't, <laughs> don't mind. No else. <laughs> Will I, pal? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry that was good um, but it was just the sort of aggression I love the sort of aggressive Zack Sabre Jr I love the way he could change the pace of a match in one fell swoop as well mm. and there was a lot of that here it's a shame John Devlin's not going to be back in Rev Pro um, mm. I think with his WWE deal that's him done in Rev Pro so that's I think two shows he's done and that's that's over because I think yeah he would have done great things there it would have been more exposure for him as well um, but hey he's been awesome recently and hopefully we'll get more regular progress but things as well as a result of it do you think yeah. it's a bit I mean that's kind of the spectre hanging over this Rev Pro show Andy Quilden's commentary mm. he couldn't be I mean he, he doesn't come across bitter but he makes a lot of references on the commentary to guys leaving and the, the talent pool and uh, things like that it's a bit weird that I mean I know Devlin's done a couple of shows the last month or so, hasn't he? It's a bit, yeah. or the last couple of months. It, but it's a bit weird to 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 use him in a high-profile spot like this if he he is going to go the way of the other wrestlers, your Chris Brooks potentially, uh, your Travis Banks, uh, your Ginnies. Um, bit weird that they kind of they're using him here, and a bit weird that he's still OTT champion. Maybe we could still be hopeful. Perhaps they had him booked before that, and mm. it was hard to change the booking. Maybe, I know, yeah. I know that it got the likes of say me and my brother in the building. Um, so it still works as a one-off match, I suppose, for the audience True. trying to attract with that match. So I got, I get why they carried on with it. Um, I haven't 
watch the VOD, so I don't know what Quilden's comments were necessarily. Um, what sort of stuff was he saying? He doesn't say anything outright. It's just things along along that nature about you know the the fact that. Uh, the talent pool is getting smaller that they can use and that uh, he was outright saying it for Travis Banks that he was on his way and that Chris Brooks might be right. following him. Uh, all that kind of stuff, really. He wasn't uh, hiding behind it. It was quite uh, quite uh, obvious uh, what was going on. Well, to be honest, that's why I think he's one of the best promoters out there because he kind of pulls no punches. He's not about getting himself over. He's not about um, Do you think that hurts eating- him, I think I think it will hurt him in the eyes of some fans, and I think those are the type of fans that aren't into the RevPro product anyway because they've not released a T-shirt with a rainbow flag on or embraced any socio-political terminology and told them how Mm. welcome they are at their shows. Um, I think that's kind of yeah. I think that's the kind of audience they are. Um, maybe get to alienate, but I don't know if they've got that audience on board anyway. And to be honest, that audience are an audience that I've got no time for because they kind of, I don't know, um, hijack shows, hijack shows, create weird cults, um, create a weird kind of consensus opinion on lots of things. Love a bit of outrage, might get outraged by this. So outrage away um <laughs> in those want... tweets at lemsip 4 ps on twitter thank you yeah fine. <laughs> i'll deal with it uh, you've got to be outraged in some way <laughs> you know you can't go a couple of days without there being a new thing to be outraged about on twitter yeah. to show what a social justice warrior you are and all the rest of it and what a great upstanding person you are for being outraged well done to you for being outraged again about something that is inconsequential but will ultimately make you look better in the eyes of a few people while alienating more cool um sorry i'm really going off on air. um but yeah for me it makes me kind of respect him more if anything yeah. and i'm not into wwe uk on any level and i understand there's a massive talent pool out there so there will be guys who can come in and replace yeah. um, some of the guys which i'll be excited about because you get to see some new guys but I get that when you're in the middle of storylines and you're in the middle of building guys up and yeah, putting yeah. your guys on the cards and giving them a lot of time and getting them over to all different audiences, the ports of audience it takes a while to get people over to. The cockpit audience can sometimes be the same. So I get his frustration from that point of view uh, particularly. Um, I, I think that's been taken for granted in many ways. But when you also build a rapport and relationships with guys, you've then got to rebuild rapport and relationship with new guys, both as a promoter and for your audience mm. so i get that it's going to be harder for him so i get his frustration and i suppose it comes in the wake of a new orleans thing as well that's what and i it wondered about feels like there's no there's more splintering in uh, the on the british scene at the moment mm. and the splintering has come because of one tv company setting up a show which yeah. would probably be fine but one paranoid, manipulistic, egomaniac of a company yeah. saying, oh, my God, look at who these people are going to be. Uh, look how many people can watch this show. We need to get back over there and set up a crappy tournament straight away and sign all these guys up to, to contracts that have two get-out clauses in at two different dates in case we don't want to carry on with this because – ITV might not be a success. And that's what I think is frustrating because WWE are now dictating so many of the terms and are yeah. such an, a sway and influence in this country when so many of us watch independent wrestling because we want an alternative to WWE because we're fed up of the bollocks that they put on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I couldn't say it any better myself. You've yes. been, you've been saying we've. I'm saying this for months as well, and I mean, a, a point you always make, Joe, as well, is that it's kind of like it's just 
why one why are they doing it and we can see why they're doing it why they're, they're they've kind of uh invaded our our, te- our, our our small island but it's just yeah it's i don't know it just doesn't feel like the guys who are signing to wwe they're not signing to work on Raw and SmackDown every week, are they? They're no, working, no. they're signing to be WWE UK guys, which I'm sure, you know, for any of those wrestlers, that's still, you know, you're working for the biggest company in the world. There's a lots of positives to go with that. There's lots of positives for that that, you know, it, it means that you're a full-time wrestler even if some of your your income's still coming from smaller companies as well as wwe but it means you know it means stability and i understand that from a personal point of view with a wrestler uh, and anyone who comes at you and will say things like well you know you're not you why why are you mad that these guys can now earn a living and now i've got to do the b contract that's not the point is it it's kind of just the i don't know what the word is it's just the, the sly way that wwe have come in here absolutely it, it's affecting certain companies and or others i was just just before you go jp i was going to make one point on that andy q talking too much thing i wonder whether that podcast and when he was quite vocal about the the issues in new orleans i wonder if that affects the way wwe treats you i mean it's probably the new japan thing more than anything but something to monitor is going to be if these guys can't work rev pro what happens with ott does the same thing happen there and does the same thing Mm. happen with the other non-progress companies across the country that's it, isn't it? I mean, and that's the that's the kind of confusing element of the of the situation. Um, you've kind of both articulated it better than than I ever could do. I just find it very hard to have any sympathy with WWE in the sense because you're basically supporting a monopoly. Mm. This isn't conspiratorial bollocks either, because I think the comparison between New Japan and WWE is somewhat of a false equivalency in the sense that New Japan book guys, but they tend not, I mean, obviously they want control of their booking somewhat, Mm. but they don't stop them working in external places and they allow them to be used in a way which is beneficial for the fans. Whereas I look at WWE UK and I see a series of six to seven minute long matches that have been agented to fuck and uh, ultimately going to feel not as fulfilling. And, and, and you very samey as the last and, one. And, yeah, and it is. And, it, yeah, I, I'm kind of not watching it with any excitement. In terms of who Red Pro could perhaps use, there's plenty on that ITV roster that would be interesting. I never thought that would be a statement I'd use. But there's <laughs> plenty on that ITV roster who could fit in there, like the likes of a Kip Sabian. For example, well, they started using him on the Savannah show. Yeah. been very good. Yeah, exactly. And and there are there are lots of there are lots of various people that they can use that haven't been signed up. I find it if you find yourself in a situation where you're kind of rooting for WWE, I I kind of think read a history book about how they have behaved previously or stop writing Meltzer off as star writing scoop man actually listen to the stuff he's got to say because he was around at that point covering wrestling at that point not at a full-time level but the guy knows his history he's not just this guy who goes oh i'm gonna give six stars for this match outrage like he (laughs) is a historian in wrestling he has a point on all of this stuff all of this stuff is an is informed over time like i don't agree with everything he says but at least have a kind of uh, like, a prob- level of respect for these people who understand the history of the industry and have seen how 
WWE have interacted with every other company where their natural instinct is more or less to kill them. Like, go and look at the AWA roster at 82, 83, yeah. and look at the WWE roster the year after. Go and read something about the um, Saturday time slot on TBS in like yeah. 1983, 84, or whatever it was. You know, this is stuff, if anyone's listening who isn't aware of this stuff, that th- there's a history to this. There's a track record. It's not exactly the same, but there are similarities, and Vince McMahon kind of has worked in them. They're very similar way for his whole career let's yeah. be honest there um red pro itself going back to what we were talking about i think they'll be fine i mm, think they've got a niche as an alternative for say what well, me <laughs> yeah. and lots of similar fans um so i think they'll be absolutely fine at the end of the day i think one thing that i wanted to say on this as well is one thing i wanted to make clear is i'm not annoyed at any of the guys who have signed at all like i think Fair play. I get why they're doing it. It would be their dream, wouldn't it? Well, here's what I don't get. This is not signing for WWE. This is signing at the moment for a few shows, right? Mm. Then they can be dropped after four months. I get why they're doing it because they get maybe in their good books, they get seen a bit more by WWE. They could get taken to America eventually. WWE UK could take off. It's a bit of a gamble. I get it. But this isn't. Park or Martin Stone or Joel Redmond signing for WWE, what, in 2012-13, whatever that was, and Mm. getting taken to Florida and going through their system. This is not that at all. This is not like, shit, I've signed for WWE, I'm going to America. It's not even Nixon Newell getting signed last year and getting taken to America. This is very different. Um, and I think people are really overlooking that and they're not actually thinking about all of the variables and the actual contract situation mm. that kind of makes this up as well. Mm. So I do kind of think that people should stop being cheerleaders <laughs> in many ways or just calm down a little bit and actually think about the variables that play a part in this as well. And also what those variables might do to affect the industry that they are supporting in the UK and love going to shows yeah. uh, in the UK. Because if they, and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that companies they work for, they effectively swallow up to just be the offshoots of WWE UK. And then you're going to be left with a monopoly that's going to be trying to kill every other independent business. Mm. So I suppose to, and this is not the best analogy, if you like the idea of, let's say, independent booksellers being killed by the Waterstones, and you think, yeah, go Waterstones. Just have a little think about that, about whether or not that is that something that you would you would actively support, or would you think, well, actually, we do need the voice of lots of different companies. And, and the person who set this up, or the person who's gone, right, we need to do this now, has, isn't someone who's got, well, they claim they've got a long-term game plan in the UK, but they've not gone, oh, my God, we've got a talent pool in the UK. We could do really great things, like, let's do this, 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 and this. It's got, they've gone, let's keep an eye on this, uh, the largest, well, one of the largest private broadcasters that operate in the UK. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look Have a look at what they do. Let's watch and monitor their actions. Shit, they've done something. Right, let's just go. And they've, they've basically gone, right, what did we do last time? Copy and paste, tournament, change venue. <laughs> same logo, same everything, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of like they haven't even bothered making making a new logo for this time round. So if just... they've got any passion or love for doing this and promoting this stuff to us UK fans, then you're fooling yourself, like, just stop fooling yourself. 
yeah it's kind of become the brand and so confused with it as well it's like a it's turned into an nxt kind of offshoot but you just have to look at the way pete dunn and i'm sure pete dunn tyler bay tra- uh trans seven aren't, aren't mad about how they've been used by wwe but look at their placement and and you know how often you you see them they're, they're nxt guys and that's kind of the ceiling here isn't it and that they've and pete dunn's mm-hmm. he's been the wwe uk champion for the last year but i mean other than the tyler bait matches it's not exactly been a, a notable run because he's been in a holding pattern because there would be a waiting to move to to see what itv do that's the that's the reason why it's kind of it it's sat the way it has so yeah if we uh if we ever sound like we're, we're pulling for a for a rev pro i mean that's why isn't it it's because they're the people who are, are going to be left behind but like you say at least we, we oh, do yeah. have the wrestlers are there aren't they you've got your you know your josh bodhams he's not going to do the b contract anytime soon as as far as i know uh <laughs> i don't i don't see that one coming or, or even Dan McGee who he faced on the show we were just talking about but you know, there's always going to be people there but you can only make that argument for so long can't you the, the, the will come a point where the well will run dry I, I sort of get it because you look at you mentioned British Strong Style they're bigger stars as a result of it without doubt and yeah. they've probably put their price up as well and they've done really well off it and I don't mm-hmm. I don't blame them at all so I sort of get it from the guys perspective seeing what's happened yeah. to those guys could if this I was a wrestler I'd go for it I think, I think yeah. I'd, I'd, t- I'd probably take it but, I mean to be completely hypocritical I understand from a wrestler from the individual wrestler's point of view you can't get mad at them grabbing one of these contracts mm. whether it's WWE or ITV um, yeah so I mean, but it's it's more the the overall effect on the on the industry, isn't it? As a as a fan and as as people watching the uh, th- these things happen. Absolutely, and not everyone can be a Marty, Zach, or Osprey and be yeah. that talented that they can start their own kind of brand individually. There's only so many New Japan spots. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. I mean, just bringing it back to to the Rev Pro point I mentioned, uh, Dan McGee and Josh Brodom there. Before we do move on, uh, it probably is worth mentioning. Joe, you've been uh, really taken with this, and I really enjoyed this as a match on this show. Yeah, it's my UK feud of the year. Honestly, I absolutely love this feud. I don't know how many people have checked out the matches. I've not heard people talking about it a great deal. Um, but honestly, I recommend if you get a subscription to Rev Pro on demand. Do it just if even if there's nothing else you want to watch. The Bowden McGee matches are so worth watching. They had one in February, which was a random match. McGee was taking someone's place. Can't remember who it was. Then absolute like killer brawl around the cockpit. Seven minute job. Great stuff. McGee got massively over as a result when he got battered. Um, they had another match in Southampton, uh, triple threat where McGee picks up a win. It was Bowden kept saving the McGee. McGee got battered again, big upset. Another match at the cockpit last month, which I was there for, similar to the first one. All of these matches of McGee getting battered. I mean, they had this match in Portsmouth, which is McGee's hometown. He was really over. Uh, Bodum again. Bodum has got something that no one else in the UK has at the moment, in that he is so unlikable. He doesn't care about selling T-shirts. People talk about how nice and how great certain wrestlers are to talk to the merch stand. Fuck that shit. Yeah, he sells <laughs> T-shirts. But Bodum is something else when it comes to his in-ring product, because he comes across as nasty. He comes across as dislikable, and people get into the matches as a result of it. And I think that's great. He He's almost sort of, you could almost argue that it's, I hate using this term, old school in a sense. Yeah, he's thinking throwback. about his character. Yeah. He's thinking about how his matches get over, how he gets other baby faces 
is over because he's such a dickhead heel and it works so well like he's got an intangible that i've not seen anyone else in the uk have at the moment um and good on him for kind of differentiating himself in that way and going with it because he's almost embracing the fact that everyone knows he's a dick and he sort of seems to like the fact that everyone kind of knows he's a dick in that rev pro crowd and it's getting the most out of this feud it's getting mcgee over as a baby face mcgee i think has got real potential as a brawler um, some of his brawling here, some of the way he hits his offense, his topes, there's a rough edge to them, which I absolutely love. They're not overly clean. They're a little bit erratic, but it works in the context of this feud and it works in the context of his character that he's building up. I don't know where this is going to go. I know it carried on in Southampton yesterday. Unfortunately, I couldn't make the show. Um, thank you to Ben Owens for tweeting out the results of that for us. Um, but it's a great feud that I recommend getting into because the matches are different to anything I've seen in the UK this year in terms of just being ridiculous brawls where both guys seem to really dislike each other and just want to beat the shit out of each other. And there's not enough of that in wrestling anymore. And this is something that's truly great. Definitely. Yeah, it just it feels real, doesn't it? And you, you just don't get that uh, everywhere in wrestling. I think part of that is the way that Bodum carries himself and it is the way that kind of that dickish persona translates and you're not sure where the character begins and ends it all kind of fits together to make this this great story that they're telling um before we move on from rev pro i mean joe did you uh i mean cody rhodes we mentioned that the start of the show was in the main event um, <laughs> oh, where's this going well you're what's your uh, your star rating on this one i'm sure you were uh, sat in your seat really enjoying it solid three uh it's cody freestyle special um <laughs> Right, so this is probably where I guess a more shit. Um, I've never <laughs> felt like that I've never felt that. like more of an indie snob in my life. Um, Cody Rhodes, again, fair play to him. I, I respect him massively for what he's done. I think you know he's done an amazing job since he's been on the indies. I think he's found a way of really standing out from the crowd, standing out from other guys in the indies. Where Drew McIntyre did similar and also improved massively in the ring and was really great out in the indies for that three year stint. Cody Rhodes, in my opinion, hasn't improved in the ring, but he does enough in his matches that it works for the crowd. Now, his match with El Fantasmo worked for the crowd that were there that night. They were there to see Cody Rhodes. They loved the match. They ate it up. It wasn't for me. I had a long drive on my hands. I left early. Wow. (laughs) I've never left a show early before. You ever left a football game early? Um, I must have. I can't remember, but I, I definitely have at some I think, point. Yeah, I think they're the two things I've never done. I can't think of a game of an Everton game I've left, and I can't think of a wrestling show I've left. But I can't blame you. I mean, I was watching this on the VOD. It started kind of. It, they came to the ring with thirty-five minutes to go. I was watching the ticker, thinking, "Oh God, where are we going?" And it was a lot of Cody. I could feel the moment. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. As Co- Cody was doing the pandering on the microphone, and he was slowly turning heel by dragging it out and saying that all in wasn't going to be in london i was watching that bit and thinking this is where joe's looking at his watch thinking you know what maybe it's time to go uh i mean it was a fine match it was the cody rose three-star special um but yeah i, I can't say that i mean it, like you said it, the people who traveled there to see cody rose i'm sure they were very happy there were a lot of two sweets there were a lot of bullet club style chants uh, yeah. i know phantasmo for his part looked good in the match as well but i can't get too mad at you for uh for getting out of there joe yeah like oh you're kind of right in terms of when i started getting bored but while i was getting bored i got it at the same time and it was fascinating almost watching the crowd turn ever so gradually because you mm. kind of think i'll oh, never he's going with this straight away oh he's so good um, isn't he, as a character he's yeah. so good 
And I, I understand it. People respond to him as a star. Yeah. Um, he just does nothing for me, if I'm completely honest with you. I, I don't know if he will. <laughs> um, I, I honestly think at this point in time, I hold ring work in such high esteem as well, that unless I know that I'm going to get a good match or something I'm really entertained by mm. in the ring or really intrigued by, then I'm not that into it. Unless you're, say, a Lord Gideon Grey type character or a Rishi Ghosh type character where you're a great comedian and you're a great break of the card. And mm. Cody doesn't, you know, veer far enough towards comedian um, and I don't want him to because that's not his place. Therefore, it just sort of reminds me a bit of like a WWE match mm. that I'm not overly fussed about these days. I might, I'm probably sounding like even more of a snob. Um, well, in fairness, his best match has been against a Bushi and a Carda. <laughs> and that's a Bushi uh, yeah. and a Carda. <laughs> Look, I mean, the theme of the show, we're, gonna, we're about to talk about a couple of progress shows, one of which uh, I think people can probably guess is not going to be for us, but not all wrestling is, is it? Not all. That's kind of a, a lesson I've kind of learned these these past couple of weeks that you've got to remember, haven't you, sometimes that there are me- there are different types of wrestling fans. So there are the people who are going to line up for these Bullet Club Q&As, um, and this type of thing is for them, not necessarily for us. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And, you know, I'm not the centre of the universe. (laughs) And I'm not the centre of the rest of the universe. And I get why people would be there. I get why why people would have enjoyed it. Uh, It just was not for me. Well, I think we're in a luxury in this day and age where we have, there's the capability of having different shows on around the country catering to slightly different audiences. And that if you don't want to go to one thing, um, then you've got the other one to go to. And like last Friday night was a choice there. People are going to Fight Club Pro and um, people are going to Fight Club Pro and they're going to Riptide. And they're doing a, uh, you know, they can make the choice between the two. So Fight Club Pro would have probably more established stars and Riptide would have a lot more in the way of younger stars. And that's fine. I think it's that, it's, it's about, and this is part of the, the, our bigger kind of complaint about British wrestling at times is where that die, you know, we want that diversity where things aren't aimed for us. And I spoke about the Riptide rumble and about who won that. That wasn't something for me, but that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. If that mm. makes any sense, it's just like no, it's recognising that something there isn't for me, rather than you know kicking and screaming like a toddler about it that it it isn't for me. Therefore, it should be we we should be getting rid of it. Um, and if we're getting to that point. As, as an industry in the UK where we've, where we're able to kind of differentiate between, I'm not going to go to that. Why it's not my cup of tea. Then that's absolutely fine. It doesn't mean you're an asshole because you decide to do that. Yeah. I think that's fair. And it's kind of like, I mean, we're going to talk about a, a controversial progress show in a bit. So we should probably <laughs> move over to progress now. But yeah, that, that general point stands, doesn't it? That not yeah. all, not all shows should be aimed at a certain fan base. And I think that kind of the wealth of, it's kind of like the hardcore bubble of wrestling fans has gotten yeah. so big now that it's not just, I mean, in two, I remember in 2002 being on the internet and everyone you spoke to had the same opinion about Triple H being the most evil man in the world <laughs> and everybody wanted them to push the cruiserweights. Whereas now I do feel like you've got a bit more fracturing and there isn't really, you know, a, a universally um, held stance for what, for what makes a hardcore fan these days. So yeah, it, it's fair enough that uh, not everything is for us and that Cody Rhodes matches is, is definitely for uh, for people maybe uh, other than Joe, uh, especially when you've got a, a long drive like that coming up. 
Yeah. Yeah, I got in late that night and had to get up early to get a work. It was half term, but I had to go into work over half term for a couple of days. So I was in work the next day as well. So all the excuses are coming out now. Can't blame you. <laughs> well, let's get into those uh, those two progress shows. We're going to talk about one mm. a lot more than the other for the reasons we just stated. Uh, the one we will talk about in a bit of detail, Chapter 69, Be Here Now, the show that I got to in Victoria Warehouse, the show that we previewed on our, our last show. We were kind of all very down on it going in um the question i was kind of asking myself was were they going to get away with some of the the lackluster builds for particularly sex smith and, and travis banks and and for the uh the big Ginny and tony storm match as well but i can't in the building i thought in the main they they somewhat got away with it i think everyone in the building mm. For, apart from, I mean, the main event was a down moment, but I think most people I spoke to went home happy. And I think part of it was the fact that it was very much a show of two halves. Uh, we started with three really strong matches. Um, it kind of went downhill in, in the second half, but overall, I enjoyed it as a live experience. I think adding um, some of the matches that they did kind of made a big difference for me. Um, and just giving, I don't know... It was almost like, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about the the controversial placement of, of some of the title matches here, but mm. they weren't so much the story for me. A lot of it was the the undercard. I mean, how did this uh, this show come across for, for you two guys on VOD? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would do. I don't think I came out of it thinking it was amazing, and the main kind of left me slightly flat thinking of, particularly some of the things that, that, that you had said it. I remember you read it following you on Twitter at the time mm. and it was you know, there was there was far too much in the way of bells and whistles and that kind of left a bit of an empty taste in my in my mouth. It's like they um well, I, I enjoyed the show but with on the main event it felt to me like they went down that kind of progress big show tick box cliche overbook main <laughs> yes. event again tna and main event like, well we used this strategy in our big shows we did it at um, alexandra palace match was kind of shit mm. kind of ridiculous let's do it again what i loved was uh shikara and nina samuels they were off on a night out uh, dressed to the absolute nines there like i don't know what the post what was going on post match but like they got dressed to go out clubbing after the after the show if anything uh that that for some reason i found hilarious um i'll be honest thought the main event was crap um but there was other stuff on the show that i did really enjoy um i think overall. most people kind of came out you know from that point of view with the main event that it was just and i didn't speak to anybody who thought it was a good i mean putting them in the main events isn't a bad idea uh, especially when the the men's world title match uh, had such a lackluster build going in but yeah there was just a lot of lipstick and scissor spots and uh, interference yeah. and like you say tna main event kind yeah. of some all he was up, missing was it? jeff jarrett and a guitar yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to sum it up i was just thinking to myself when i was watching it like tony storm's a great wrestler Ginny's hmm. a great character i just hmm. don't think she's very good in the ring if i'm honest with you um i just find that her body size uh she doesn't wrestle well around the size of her body mm. and i think she'd be so better served wrestling as a chicken shit heel and changing her finisher look at the size of those arms how is a rainmaker like taking tony storm out tony mm. storm's like 
double the size of her. It, uh, for me, there's a, like, a realism aspect that still sort of plays a part in this. Yeah. Um, and I just can't take Jenny, Jenny, Ginny seriously. I always think she'd be a great ballet. That's one thing I'll say for her. I was going to say one of the things that we picked up when we went to Riptide is how much better her offense looked as a face. Than a, it did, yeah, should have been than, than a heel. Yeah. There, there was, it worked. It worked that bit better in, in, in Riptide. But I, I, I agree with that in terms of a striking offense is not something that I think it doesn't suit her. And it doesn't really suit the character, I would I, think, as well. I almost think they tried to go too far the other way in this match. I mean, she won the match with a roll up. There was lots of interference, so she kind of was the chicken shit heel, although yet yeah, they still try you know, they try and do the big spots. I mean, that wasn't so much I think my problem coming in was we talked about it or when we talked through the preview, it was the build, it was the fact that it's uh okay, yeah, there's been, it's been a long time coming, mainly because of Genie's injury. But they haven't they hadn't really told any kind of compelling story with it. And Tony Storm's title run was such a, a damp squib. It's kind well, of like mate, you... we're in about a spin a year. It's a great run. A year <laughs> means automatically great run. <laughs> exactly. Just because it's long doesn't mean it's good, and it's kind of like resting at the second match of every card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if we're going to get that with. I mean, going into Sheffield, she's got the match um, coming up. What's Nixon Newell's name off? Stephanie Newell. That's an interesting yeah. one. At least, I mean, they're starting with something relatively big, but I just worry. Yeah, kind of getting a, a flat win with it with a roll up here in a flat match. It just didn't live up to what they were trying to do here and trying to make it this this big deal. These over the main events are just crap. That's all I'll say yeah. for it. They're just rubbish. I don't think they're fair on the guys working at times. They're not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. They're convoluted. They're annoying. Oh, look at the uh, epic ends of the extreme telling. What, the great Ginny faction that came together after the Riot Squad and that Absolute. other faction. Came, <laughs> Never came remember together. that. Like a, oh, no, oh, I don't even remember who's in it. Like a week later, like, ah, oh, <laughs> the big old Ginny faction. Charlie Morgan, banned from ringside. Is she, like why and there are still two other people there so it doesn't really play into the match at all was it just because you couldn't book it for the date um just rubbish well that kind of i mean a larger point i was kind of taken from this show i mean that the booking of that match we'll get into travis banks and jack sexsmith which i do have a lot of positive things to say about yeah, yeah i'd really but like the, the match but the other title match that kind of ties in here the atlas title match oh, i mean this is Joe was rightful there on the last show, Joe. You were saying that it would be very typical for against the runner play doing a losing streak story for Doug Williams to win the belt. And it kind of all ties together to the kind of this what matters more. It's almost moment booking. It's kind of what yes. WWE have been accused yeah. of doing in the yeah, past. Yeah. Is what matters is the moment, the big moments, not so much the logic and the story going in. Um, it's the it's, moment, guys. It's the moment. It's the, in the moment, guys. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, up. He, he, he's right. We've woke it up. It's a revelation. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Doug Williams winning the belt. I mean, again, nice, nice moment in the building. Lovely. People were crying. I believe he got a, a round of applause backstage when he went back there and everyone was really made up. But did did he pay off a story? I don't know. onions or something. <laughs> like, crying. Okay. Like, <laughs> if this isn't Daniel Bryan winning the belt at WrestleMania, like, come the fuck on. Like, I like <laughs> Doug Williams. I've got so much respect for Doug Williams. I don't mean any disrespect to him when I say that. Right, 
the commentary on this just reinforced how ridiculous the fact that this match was for a belt it was for Walter controversially dropped the ma- dropped the belt at our show so we're left in this situation with this match oh okay good work so they then said Rob Lynch is the only person coming into this match on a win they then spoke about how Joseph Collins had to get his weight up that day they then spoke about Doug Williams I haven't won a match in progress since 2013 Wow. Like, way to reinforce how ridiculous <laughs> and how much you're devaluing yeah. this belt right here. It was like, what are you doing? This is the most counterproductive commentary possible. Like, this is just making it seem all the more ridiculous. And what was Valhalla yeah. Rob? Oh, Battle tested Rob Lynch going on. <laughs> Battery One <tested>. win over, <laughs> over Doug Williams as well at a show a couple of months ago. Like, it's just an utterly ridiculous match to put together. I just think after doing so much good work with Riddle, then Volta with the Atlas belt, yeah. it's almost like they went, oh, God, the Atlas belt looks stronger than our world title. Mm-hmm. Rather than building up the world title and making it look stronger, let's just kill the Atlas belt. It's just mm. utterly ridiculous. And, you know, Doug Williams' storyline, I kind of like. But could they have not had Doug Williams win a few matches beforehand like, and look a little bit stronger into it rather than us thinking, oh, poor Doug. Old Doug. Because now he's got a belt and he's magically going to start winning matches. Like, I get the storyline. I'm not invested in the storyline. It wouldn't take much either, would it? There's a middle ground. If you could make some form of reason as to why he's in this Atlas match, if it wasn't Mm. so last minute, if it didn't feel like they just decided a couple of weeks ago they were going to take the belts off Walter, if there was more thought put into it, I could let it go. You know, if he won, if somehow he won something that got him in this match that if there was some kind of explanation but as it is it was just a thrown together four way i wouldn't you know what he wanted i mean do you think they got away with it though because it, it was a big moment and yes <laughs> people are happy i mean he was the best of four bad options i i wouldn't have, the the one positive i would say in progress is defenses i wouldn't have put the belt well maybe it's not a positive i wouldn't have put up the belt on any of those three other guys so i, I don't know what else what else you do once you do book yourself into that corner but hey they're the ones booking him i have to say one of the things i've I've not been a fan of over recent years is is kind of weight based titles in wrestling i think there's something about that for me and i know and i'm a big new japan fan and yeah i like the juniors even though i've watched that much of the best of the super juniors but there is something about it particularly within british wrestling where the I, I like the kind of size differential. If you had Mark Andrews versus Walter, I wouldn't think any less of it as a as a match between it. And so there's there's that part of me thinking, does this make this title look somewhat redundant until what you bring in Big T to kind of to kind of take it on? <laughs> and and now also, they've got to book that. Now they've got to book that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they'll. Right, they got Michael Dante coming back on the next show and Corvin debuting as a single. So. Well, he. He is an interesting yeah, wild card. Yeah, I think he's a, good, he's a good pick. Yeah. Definitely. As a wild card, he's a kind of interesting person to have in there. I wonder whether they could put him against and put him over, most probably, someone a bit better and more interesting than Dante, if I'm honest with you. What, like, it's, Rampage Brown is surely going to be in a Sheffield show. I, I would kind of like to see him have a couple of a couple oh, okay. of wins to, okay. to, yeah, to yeah. build him up for that. I just think you get to the fundamental point of you've gone from your champion of Riddle to Walter to Doug Williams. One of those does not seem like the other two. He's a legend. He is a legend, but he hadn't been built up as a legend. He'd been built up as an old guy on a losing streak who's going to be retiring at Wembley. That's that's kind of what it what it yeah. has been at, what it's hinted at. Yeah. And and that's and this is not meant to be always oh, just slagging off Doug Williams. No. This is the kind of thing where he well, hasn't been built as Benno as you said before. He hasn't been mm. built up in a way where 
you've been kind of at least seeing about it, maybe getting a couple of a lot more harder fought wins against younger guys where you're thinking, oh, he's having a struggle to beat them, even with all that experience. Hadn't had any of those kind of stories. It was it was lose to Rob Lynch in that weird match, shake your hands, point, say one more and then go off to the back. The end. Uh, and now he's won a title. And yeah, he got a pop at the time. Good chaos theory. But it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> true. It's, but like you say before, it's the booking to the moments. And I'm going to bring up something when we talk about the other show mm. in terms of Travis Banks, where I'm thinking it's that moment to moment booking creates a real confusion around the characters and who they're meant to be. I think, I mean, if progress kind of sell, I mean, completely, I mean, agree there, but progress kind of try and book themselves as, try and promote themselves as this storytelling company. Mm. It's why we're all into progress, isn't it? It's why we all love slash love progress. Um, But but I feel like we've moved from, the, the, the booking is more, it's more in the promotional sense. It's more of let's fill these cards and let's get people in the building. And that is a big part of booking. That's booking wrestling. They're trying to get people into buildings. Mm-hmm. But that seems to be what's concentrated on. How do we fill the next show? Whereas the logical progressive storytelling that you'd expect from the, the lowest of the low TV shows, they're the bits that they're kind of they're struggling with. And they're the bits where we're seeing these kinds of problems, mm-hmm. like dotting those I's and crossing those T's. Yeah, it's odd because you, you're exactly right. I think they've transitioned from being a story-based promotion to kind of a work-rate promotion mm. in many ways. Like, for me here, the best three matches on the card were the first three matches, mm. um, which were more work-rate style matches with Zach Mark Andrews, which was great, while with David Starr and Aussie Open against there was a Mayhew. And the stories that were being told... Uh, after the break, really, were stories that I had zero interest in, zero investment in, and which I thought had been told really, really poorly. And I think they've sort of taken the audience for granted in a way. Yeah, a lot of the audience got into them, but I still think that audience would have got into them if they'd have been told better. I mean, another certain section of the audience, talking about us again, would have probably got into to those stories as well. Yeah. Because previously, progress I was into when I got into it for the, the great storytelling and the wrestling was good, but the storytelling was his absolute key strength. And I just think that they've got too many shows. Um, other wrestlers have got too many bookings. Well, I'm not saying they've got too many bookings, but they, they're booked around and other promotions as well, so maybe they can't get them for certain dates. Mm. And it just makes it harder to tell some of the stories, but they're also handling so many shows and handling doing more and have more jobs to do as a result of growing as a promotion. And I just sort of think, do you employ someone else to maybe do the writing? Do the free owners or the free mates concentrate on um, some of like running the company a little bit more? And does someone else concentrate on the yeah, yeah? (laughs) Someone else concentrate on actually booking stuff and writing stuff. I mean, to that point, uh, the other big match we we really should talk about. I mean, Travis Banks and Jack Sexsmith. That's a match where until uh, a friend of the show, Ian Hamilton, BatBodyDrop.com, great website, pointed out that uh, Joe Coffey and Joey Axel are the two men that Jack Sexsmith beat on his on his road to this big Travis Banks match, and that just sums it up, doesn't it? That's just that's yeah. the situation that we're in. Yeah. And I, I say He's that, in tag matches. mate, you beat Joe yeah. Coffey. He was in the Atlas World <laughs> Title Final, so sort of, wasn't like, he described in the intro video to this as like I've beaten a former world champion, ICW champion Joe Coffey. <laughs> 
Oh, I it was. But Nathan Cruz, did he beat him at some point? <laughs> I don't know. I heard, I heard that. Aguero. I heard that. No, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Jimmy yeah. Adler, did he beat him somewhat in a tag match or something? Yeah, I've know. said it on a million podcasts and I kind of keep saying it that Jack Sacksmith you tell this story a year ago I'd probably buy into it it just felt like there was a year gap and then they remembered oh yeah we were pushing Jack Sacksmith as serious weren't we a year ago let's do that again and I've got to be honest being there live in the building this match it was intense I really it had awful placement coming after the interval everyone in the building knew that there was no title change even if anyone believed it in the first place it's not happening first match after intermission and i'll be honest i've got to eat some crow that i kind of thought that jack sex smith wouldn't be as over in manchester i said that on this show mm. a number of times and he came out he got a huge response and he brought it he, he brought his a game and he if no one else uh other than travis banks treated it like the the big match that it was supposed to be and I thought in a vacuum they really delivered and it was a, a great match and again it's the it's the wrestlers we're talking about doing great work if not so much the booking. I do think maybe people do underrate sex within the ring a little bit. I've always liked him in the ring. I've always thought yeah. he's got something and he really brought an intensity here and he's likeable as well. He really yeah, is a likeable guy. I loved their match they had like a year ago in progress. I think that was my show of the year, the one with the where Mark Haskins son and the dinosaur last year. Oh yeah. And they had a match on this where I thought people really started taking sex with that little bit more seriously. Mm. Then it went into Super Strong, so it beat Gibson, obviously. So they they had formerly good matches before. Uh, I love Travis Banks as a heel, I gotta say. I do think he is very good at doing this. I don't agree with the booking, mm. but I think he is trying to make the most of a bad situation and he's yeah. good at doing it. Sex with I thought Probably had the match of his career here. I think the two Travis mm-hmm. Banks, I just see the two best Jack Sex matches I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and uh, the intensity that you spoke about, Ben, I think really got me into this as well. Mm. They kind of came out of the blocks, if anything. Like they oh, yeah. went Chuck from it the start. Strike exchanges and all kinds, wasn't it? And you couldn't help but be into the match. I mean, mm. it really kind of didn't slow down. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't like quick start, slow it down, which would be a WWE. Like, bit of agent and i imagine um yeah uh (laughs) there was a really nice pace to this um and it worked Uh, like it was a match that i wasn't expecting to be that into and i got way more into it watching it back definitely yeah i I think i think i was it's one of those matches where i'll say being there live uh, i haven't mentioned it victoria warehouse great venue for watching live wrestling i was stood at the back and had a great view Mm. great atmosphere um i knew that he wasn't going to win but when they went to the finish, and he, I think it was two Kiwi crushers, wasn't it? One off the top, and then yes. one in the ring, and he kicked out. And I, I was well into it at that point. You kind Is that of the forget- kick out of one he did. Yeah, yeah, they did that a little. I think a little bit earlier. But yeah, they, oh, yeah. they kind of exchange kick out at ones. They pulled me into it, and I like the Travis Banks. It was like a, it, it, it took a, a super finisher, and then he still needed to put the submission mm-hmm. on. I think they mm-hmm. gave Sexsmith a lot. Um, if there was value in Sexsmith, then you know it would be. This would help, but I'm just not too sure if uh, the damage is already done. Well, or I don't know if you, if you disagree with that. I think having gone to Riptide and seeing the way that Sexsmith is being used there is kind of a template for how you would like to see him develop. Because if you think about his character, it's developed from the comedy character to the character feeling, you know, to, uh, which, which you know, sort of is the reflection of the of the stroke of the, of the person accepting himself and being accepted by others to wanting to be treated more seriously in the ring. And and then you get that kind of slow build there. I think with this match, you take the world title aspect out of it, 
and we're raving about this more than what, what we would be. It's that world title element, which is really strange to say. That's the kind of the thing that brings it down. Because but there wasn't any wrestling down. in the same style if it wasn't a world title match. True, but then you could have still had a story of Jack Sexsmith wanting to kind of get... I mean, it was all hypothetical fantasy booking for it. But, you know, I think it's it was the, it was the kind of absence of doubt of who's going to win this is the thing that, and, and you said this earlier on, but uh, this, that for me is, is, was still the fundamental problem at the end with of, that. But as a match, as a standalone match, I, I, I really enjoyed it. At the end with Sexpist's reaction, I thought to myself, there's another layer to this story yeah. to come at some point, but I think they need to just not go right. Jack says title match out the way they, they can get something out of this. If they carry on and they use him coming close and they build upon that. Now, I don't know whether they will. They haven't been great at doing that sort of thing recently. Um, and I really think that if they don't, they're missing an opportunity because it was there after the match, I think. And people were surprised by it. People were more into it than they expected. So I'm hoping they go with something. If you're listening, progress owners or wives of owners, um, <laughs> Pass the message on. Uh, I mean, we should probably, I mean, we haven't got a huge amount of time left, but I mean, tied into that, we should talk. I mean, Jack Sexsmith, I enjoyed him here and on chapter mm. 70, when he came out as AJ, is AJ Street Smith? He was doing the Adrian Street thing. Yes. He came across as a, he came across as a star. I was kind of thinking yeah. I'd almost like to see him do this gimmick going forward, but at least they're capitalizing on him. At least, you know, they're trying some, I'm not hugely into the match myself, but they've got him in that number one contenders tag team and with Walter, um, against TK and Travis Banks and we'll, hopefully we'll get a couple of minutes to talk about that before the end and I'm not so sure and how much all that stuff makes sense, but, the trying, um, even if yeah, I'm not 100 percent on on how well it'll work. Um, but yeah, we should talk that uh, that progress chapter 70 before we do go. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to give it the we've left it till last because there's not a huge amount to say, is there? I mean, it's a non-canon show that it was it's, almost it's like. Canon. Well, yeah, it's on canon show that is canon at points. But Travis, I mean, that, exactly. Yeah, Travis Banks doesn't come out with the belt, so you're kind of thinking. Because part of my complaint was he's a comedy guy. In the, he, he's doing a bushwhacker impersonation on this show. This is the 1978 theme show where the the sheep whackers him in TK Cooper, which I think it goes to what you said before about him, Joe. That you kind of in a vacuum. I'm looking at Travis Bank going, you're doing good work, and it's just. It's the booking, and it's you are the world champion, and I'm just yeah, watching yeah. it going. Is this the spot for the world? Champion? I was almost glad that they didn't have him out there with the belt. Um, thoughts on that, and I suppose we could we should get into that chapter seventy as a whole. I have to admit, I've not seen all of it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to leave one particular aspect for which I'm sure we're going to are going to have our, our final rant about at the end in terms of some of the parts of the commentary. Um, Ugh, the commentary summed the show up. Yeah, it's not okay. It's not for us, and this has probably been one of the themes of this show as much as anything. This isn't a, ma- a match for us. I do go to wrestling shows probably with this kind of somewhat cynical, smarky attitude of wanting to kind of watch wrestling stand at the back from a from a distance <laughs> and I'm, I'm, talk to everyone. Yeah, and talk <laughs> to everyone, knowing me. Um, and it's you know the idea of the dress up for it. Some people love that. It's absolutely yeah. fine. Not for me. The idea of this kind of a show as a break a couple of times a year, in general, I'm kind of in favour of. I won't be going to them, but 
I'm kind of in favour of them as a break from storylines and as and an idea of having something different and something fun while still having a progress show. The issue I have with this one uh, primarily was, as we've been saying before, you've kind of got the non-canon stuffness. You've got a natural progression semi-final and a thunderbusted tag team. Is it a tag league? Because it's a league. The, to get to, to to sort out the order of the Thunder Bastard match, the, that's a lot of work and a lot of matches. Fucking thing to do. <laughs> I'm fearing where they go with that. I've got a feeling there's going to be ultra Russo booking throughout. It's going to be oh my oh. god, they won the belts. Oh my god. And then I'm thinking bound for glory series. And then the grizzled young vets getting back. And it's oh my god, they got them back because they're facing yeah. this person. The luck of the yeah. draw, rather than just having the grizzled young vets win every match and look super strong going into. Wembley, and then when they come in last, a team beats them after they've gone unbeaten for ages. That could be the best way to build it. You have a team go close to beating them, and then you have them beat them like in one of the round in one of the matches in the league, and then you have them lose at Wembley. To me, that would make everyone look better and stronger. But I'm sure this will be about moment booking throughout and the crazy moments and all the title changes. How would it feel if you're watching the best of the Super Juniors and Osprey loses a match and then the belt changes hand? Yeah, I don't You'd be like, that. that's fucking daft. <laughs> or a carder in G1. Again, I'm fine with a league. I'm fine with title changes. I'm fine with a Thunder Bastard match. Do you need to combine all three? Yeah. Really? <laughs> it is. It's, it's TNA. It's the Valve for Glory series. It's That's the Valve for Glory series. <laughs> I don't know if there's some of the people going, well, it, it clearly makes sense. I don't know what the Bound for Glory series I'm like, is. You, what is it? Same well, thing, really. It's, it's not just, even worth us going into. It's a TNA <laughs> thing. We'll just leave it. Uh, at that must have been one of my periods of not watching. <laughs> yes. Same years. thing, but they, they'd lose interest halfway through every year, or guys would get injured, and then oh, you'd have, everyone would have weird points and not everyone would wrestle each other, yeah. I yeah. remember um, it. I'd put that to the back of my mind, but yeah, <laughs> I remember it, yeah. Well, I mean, just to put it back to this show, I mean, the, we're not going to break it down match by match, because I don't think it's, it's that kind of show, but I mean, I thought some of the gimmicks were better than others. I kind of got a kick out of Flash Morgan Webster just being himself. Yeah. Uh, same with pretty much Chuck Mambo, Drew Parker getting to use John Lennon's Imagine. Um, I think I, I reckon if you your enjoyment on whether you'd enjoy the show as a whole, you could sum it up by that Jimmy Havoc playing Jizzy Jizzbone and Jack Sex Smith as that Adrian Street ripoff match. If you enjoyed that, if that's the kind of thing when you saw the gifts and you saw the characters, you'd probably enjoy this as an overall show. But if you're maybe a bit more pessimistic like we are, I just could, I'm watching it going, but hang on, didn't Jimmy have, a, have that awesome promo with Will Ospreay at the Super yeah, Strong Style? And now this is the follow-up. And it's just like, oh, come on. Jim, why? That's my big question. It's kind of like... Oh, he loves a beer, mate. But we all, we all know wrestling's fake. But I'm watching it going, why are these heels playing along? Why? What's what's in it for Travis Banks to be a bushwhacker? What's in it for Jimmy Havoc, who is supposed mm. to be this evil guy taking over progress, to pretend to be Ozzy Osbourne? That's... If you can turn that part of your brain off, and a lot of people can, people who, you know, I love, love this show, but yeah, I, I just found it hard to turn that part I of my brain off. I get it from the perspective that they may like a break and doing something else, and you get, you know, like mm. Attack, for example. Like the press start five. Yeah, that's yeah. great, and I love some of the stuff that attack do um this isn't a comedy promotion i get why you would do something a bit different like you guys established um uh, because it gives you a break from the normal and the rest of it but at the same time it was 
Sorry, think, say again. Do you think, I mean, if this was someone else, if this was another promotion running this exact same gimmick, would we enjoy it if it was that kind of promotion? Do you Probably, think? yeah. But I think Progress have established themselves as something completely different. So this is like a weird kind of juxtaposition for many people and the juxtaposition is seeing the world champion do an absolutely hilarious job of doing a bushwhacker impression which he was great at but at the same time like uh, would this happen in i don't know imagine if a carder came out and did this imagine if a carder turned up in hustle all them years ago do you remember when kawada started doing all that singing <laughs> oh in the ring? yeah it was like what the fuck is kawada doing is that the one but where the woman gives birth to akibona i think so yeah <laughs> i could have been hired kind of given up on his uh you know on his on being a serious wrestler at that point just got out fancy a laugh so yeah. it was kind of at the end of his career after he'd taken a good old beating and uh, you know travis back to tico i thought were hilarious i laughed quite a lot at that match yeah and i enjoyed the match i thought it was a good match but you've then got el phantasmo in there making his debut and you've got mm. jordan devlin still trying to get himself over with the progress audience so it's a bit jarring and it's all a bit confusing and i just thought to myself it's all a bit inconsistent to be honest like was it the best time to bring el phantasmo in for his mm. first match maybe was this the best match for it um, you can probably my thoughts on the show probably summed up by the fact that my favourite person on the entire show my favourite bit of the entire show was Zach Gibson coming out to You'll Never Walk Alone and cutting a great promo having <laughs> a bit of a go to be honest mm. with you um, yeah it was I mean uh... I kind of, I mean, I, I suffered right through to the end. <laughs> suffered, again, strong word, but I watched the whole thing. I thought it was an all right show. There were bits I enjoyed more than others. I don't understand them dog and Adam Brooks in the main event. Adam Brooks thought. is the most pushed indie wrestler of 2000, <laughs> most over pushed indie wrestler of 2018. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't hate him like you do, Joe, but. I hate him. I don't think he's good. I think he's being over pushed for uh, the level of his ability. If I can say about the Adam Brooks thing, I, I did, he should be in more six to eight minute long matches. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of 20 minute ones yeah, yeah, that are yeah. going on. Some six to eight minute does the kind of killer stuff that got him the name in Australia yeah. in the first place. That would be the position for him at the moment. I think, I mean, I think they just thought M-Dog would be, would be a bigger surprise than it was putting him in the main event. But yeah, I, I'd agree with that. It's not the place for an Adam Brooks match. This match opened the PCW show last week. That's the place for this match. Main events of the first half, maybe. That's where you'd put that. But, Blood against uh, What's that, sorry? Blood against it. Yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to, to wrap it up, I mean, I did want to pull it back to just one point that you made at the start, JP, and that is the commentary. And I do think oh. the commentary summed up the show because... We're actually, I'm not going to have a go at Glenn Joseph here. I didn't mind Glenn Joseph. He was doing a laid-back Radio 4 commentary style. Like, Most have ever enjoyed Glenn Joseph's commentary. I, Honestly, to I want him to do this every show. Yeah, it was similar to what Jim Smallman used to be didn't it, when, he, when he was Jimmy Barnett or whatever his name was on the, the earlier shows. But yeah, same as you. But my God, Matt Richards. I mean, Matt Richards, full disclosure, is a friend of mine. He was fucking awful. Uh, I mean, it was a comedy bit that didn't have the legs to go for three hours doing this northern comedy thing that after five minutes i'm glad they gave us the option to meet the commentary and i commend progress for doing that because after five minutes i wanted to turn the commentary off but i it, guess it's my fault for keeping it on it's it felt to me like it was a bit of sketch comedy that was padded out over or stretched out over three hours and sketch comedy is a reason uh sketch comedy is sketch comedy for a reason yeah. i should say and yeah after about five minutes i was kind of like think I'm of done with this think of mitchell and webb and they do their comedy route they did a, a sketch based around two snooker commentators last about five minutes yeah didn't last three hours 
<laughs> I, I like Matt Richards' commentary. Oh, I think he's a great commentator. Yeah, he's a great host he's as well. Really good. Yeah, I agree. Great host. Um, really good commentator who always adds a kind of unique insight because obviously he's he's wrestled before. Um, but on this one, it's like this is not going to happen every week. I don't but, like. But it was. I, I found myself. My head was hurting. The thing with this one was the show wasn't for me. Like I get it, yeah. I get it, and I get why people enjoyed it. I get why people invested in it. It's just not me. I'm not into mandatory fun. I don't want to be told to have fun. Like mandatory fun is the worst type of fun, if you ask me. Um, so that's why this type of thing just is not something for me. Um, but I can see why people would enjoy it, and you know, fair play to you if you did enjoy it and you had a great time at the venue. Because if you can turn your set, if you turn things off and you can just embrace this and invest in it then i'm jealous <laughs> yeah yeah i am there you go yeah the people in the building did seem to uh, to have fun there um but yeah i guess we can uh, more focus on on progress uh, coming forward with their, their big sheffield show that's coming up um i mean before we go then uh, very can quickly one last point oh, on. sorry better before you yeah, move on for... one thing i wanted to make a point about is hot tag media and regular music still that's all a bit confusing great with the regular music back but one thing i wanted to say is if you're all, I think they should be all in the hot tag media or all in the regular music. Those who got hot tag media music, who started in the hot tag media era, have started with the hot tag media music, and it sounds shite. Prime <laughs> example, that four-way that Atlas one we were talking about. Yes. Who listens to that Doug Williams song and went, that's the one for Doug. That's Doug all over that one. That's <laughs> shit. Is it Those... his TNA theme? I don't think it is. Is it something new? No, it absolutely wasn't. Utter shit. Rob Lynch's music. It's called Valhalla something. Oh, well, he had that when he was Valhalla. Give him back the Prodigy. Give him back that Riots music, right? Then Joseph Connors has some shit theme. Then Rampage Brown comes out, and it's like, right, why are you to expose how bad Hot Tag Media really is by playing <laughs> Rampage Brown's, like one of the, my favourite wrestling things of all time, immediately after these free shit custom works? Like, just go all in, or go either way, just not half and half. It's really kind of jarring and annoying and exposes how bad hot tag media really is um yeah sorry just to get that off my chest <laughs> no i was feeling the same thing in manchester i was very glad being there when um it was mills and mayhew came out to oasis and i was just like we've got the music back okay we didn't get run the jewels um which again was a, a another prime example of of hot tag terrible music versus real legitimate music but hey at least we got lovers blindness back and that was right uh, yeah yeah oh, we didn't mention it, it, Ilya. Ilya was great as well. Oh, that coming out, him coming out as well. Yeah, they, they, they at least, but we, we weren't, I mean, we've given some negatives on these two shows, but there were big moments on that chapter 69, Ilya being one, and yeah, well, I think we're all just Quick glad question, though, is Ilya Dragunov effectively become the new Mako Satamura? Oh, well, all the Joshi fans have become um, <laughs> Ilya Dragunov fans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I know that makes us sound like gatekeepers and horrible bastards. Then maybe we are. So, I'm just going to throw that question. out there. It's just, yeah. I think people just get swept up in him. He's a big deal. It, yeah. They know he's a big deal because everyone else is reacting to him being a big deal. So at least they've set something up there, something interesting. Um, before we go then, I mean, that kind of wraps us up on on progress. I'm sure we'll go into uh, more detail on progress on our last show. But we've just got one last segment. And here's uh, Andy Ogden from Graps and Claps, now on theindycorner.com, to introduce... Hello, I'm Andy, and this is Joel's Beer Corner, brought to you by Graps and Claps, the weekly blog which can now be found on theindycorner.com. Enjoy your pint, Joe! 
Right, thanks to uh, Andy there. And uh, Joe, uh, what is your beer of the week for this episode of British Wrestling Spotlight? Uh, right, so Riptide was serving up some cracking beers. Pompey was your Carlin, Fair and Foster's and all the rest of it, what you kind of expect from a Gildal. Um, but Riptide really went for it. Riptide had vegan hot dogs on sale, um, and they also had a locally sourced parallel, which was delicious. They also had a su- locally sourced cider on sale. Sea cider. Sea cider, mm-hmm. which uh, was also interesting. Flat cider rather than... F- uh, your fizzy, strongbow sort of cheap cider. So, well sourced, uh, a little bit on the pricey side, but understandable because I'm sure they were uh, well sourced organic apples. Um, what I will say though was the parallel was an absolute winner. If you can get down to Riptide, I recommend going to that bar and showing out a fiver on a pint of a delicious full-bodied hoppy pale ale can't remember the name of it i'll note it down next time but i tell you it was doing wonders for my palate that evening (laughs) i can't wait to get back there to chomp down a vegan hot dog which did wonders for my stomach along with one of those pale ales to wash down that vegan hot dog lovely (laughs) stuff but don't stick on that seasiders for a night because otherwise you'll end up completely shited (laughs) it makes all the difference doesn't it to the rest of that in manchester the other i'll do a writing vote for jw lee's a local brewery it's only a lager but it's a good lager and when you get a good lager at a wrestling show and you're not in a gig venue where they're selling carlsberg or tubog for eight pound a pint (laughs) it's it it makes all the difference doesn't it a big bar in manchester victoria where else no queues and good beer until they ran out about an hour before the end of the show but hey oh. we'll let that go that's never good <laughs> well, um, JWB's could be a beer of the week in the future if I ever get to Victoria Warehouse we'll see there we go yeah let's see if they uh, they head back there uh, okay well we, that's pretty much everything we've got uh, time for this week where can the good people find you guys on Twitter Lems at 4Ps JPJP 3Es Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Follow the Indie Corner at the Indie Corner. Also head to the IndieCorner.com. There's plenty of stuff going on over the, the last week. Like mm-hmm. we mentioned, Graps and Claps is now part of the Indie Corner. So Andy Ogden and uh, also Chris Wilson, his understudy, have been putting some good stuff about Grimsby Graps, GPW, uh, all kinds of promotions on there. A couple of progress reviews in there too. Um, and some updates on the New Japan Best of the Super Junior series that we talked about at the start of the show. So plenty to sink your teeth into there that's us for uh, another week and we'll uh, catch you again in a couple bye bye